This is the Glasses by Day Geek by Night podcast episode 15. I'm Matt and today I'm going to be reviewing and moaning about some geeky stuff. So on today's show I will be going over what I found interesting about New York Comic Con 2023. I have bout six of KO of the week and the comic to read before you die this week is Umbrella Academy Volume 2 Dallas. So before I begin, if you could give me a follow, a like, send me some comments, good, bad, indifferent, I'm not bothered. If you've got something you'd like me to go over in one of the shows, in one of, and anything, anything that's on your mind, get in touch and I will try and go over it. Okay. New York City Comic Con 2023. So, one of my favourite things about stuff like New York City Comic Con is that we get a lot of teasers for stuff that's coming in the future, the year to come, and possibly further on than that. So, the main thing today, I've got quite a few things to go through. I'm going to start with Dragon Ball Dama 2024. So, Dragon Ball Dama involves a demon who transforms Goku, Super Kai, and the rest of the show's characters into children. Presumably with the help of the Dragon Balls, Dama's goal revolves around Goku travelling across the universe to reverse the curse. You know, I'm, I'm not criticising Akira Toriyama. I just kind of think... Does he have to go the kid route? Okay, he basically has said all along that Dragon Ball GT is nothing to do with him, that it wasn't canon, and it didn't work. And there's a reason Dragon Ball GT only went for, what, like, 60 episodes, something like that. It was because he didn't have his input. Is his input going to make things any better? I don't know. He did it with Broly. Um, And if I'm honest, I feel like... The Broly stuff was made much better. I more realistic to the Dragon Ball universe. The issue I've got is though that they're messing around with stuff like this. And if you watch the trailer, it's it's hard to tell when it actually happens within the timeline of Dragon Ball Super. If it even happens during Dragon Ball Super, to me it comes across as it happens just after the Boo Saga. So if it happens just after the Boo Saga, you you. You basically we're going back in time. We don't need to go back in time. We want to go to the future episodes. We've got to get past all the you know all the stuff to get to what Oob and all this in the future. And yet you're missing out new people, new villains that have been brought in in the manga. So what is it? You've got Granola, Morrow, Gas, and we what dicking around with stuff that's you know already well gone by it, to me it just seems like a bit of a waste of a film that said if it leads to different things great why not all i hope is that if it's going to be done like this it needs to be canon and the issue we've got is if it is canon and it is set before you know goku and vegeta go in train with wiz then why was it never mentioned I don't really understand the you know the premise behind that. If it was never mentioned, did it happen? Do they not know about it? Have they been you know magically? Has someone messed with their heads? Do they not know anymore? You've also got the Supreme Kai in it, and it kind of makes out that it was it's before him and Kabito def, you know defuse. So 
why is he by like that? Is that because he's been tra- transformed back into a child? So they've the, the the fusion's broken, and when they turn back, the fusion will be back on. Who knows? I don't know. So I you know I am relatively on board with it. I am relatively looking forward to it. The animation style looks great in it. That's one thing you've got to say about the the Dragon Ball films that are coming out now. They're not just sticking with the old style. And not that there was anything wrong with the old style. If anything, I I prefer the old anime style to the new anime style that they've got going on. I prefer the way the characters are drawn back in the day. These days, I feel like they've uh, they've changed them quite a lot. And you know, better jawlines back in the day. Now they've better jawlines, better transformations in my eyes. Now I feel like they've got a little bit lackluster and lazy. That said, um. The Dragon Ball Super Broly film, that was, yeah, transformations and that were on point. So if they can get a bit of that magic, great. I quite liked Orange Piccolo back in um, Dragon Ball Super Hero. I thought that was pretty decent. Um, I thought Gohan's Beast Mode is a bit lazy. I kind of feel like it's a bit, meh, didn't really need to happen. I, 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 I'm I a fan of his mystic form, so the, there was just no need in that to me. I, you know, I'm hopeful for the film. Do I think that it's a bit of a waste of time? Quite possibly, but you know, we'll wait and see. Next up, Invincible season two. So, I love Invincible. I I love the book more than anything else, and I think as an avid reader of the book, knowing that I know what I know what villains are coming, I know what kind of mayhem is coming to coming to Mark's universe. It fills me with like glee every time I think about it because I, what I'd say about season one is it the book is better, the book is is better, but that final scene with Omni Man and Mark on the you know fighting and the the sheer destruction, the bit where he like just pushes Mark's head through the train through everyone is just brilliant and is probably one of the glorious, dis- most disgusting epically brilliant things that you could have done with any animation um yeah so season two trailer come out and it does it looks good um it shows you Ang- angstrom levy and um, voiced by um sterling k brown so my man um, randall from all uh, this is us um just showing that I'm, I'm not just into the comics i quite like everything so yeah, he, his voice is great. It's it's definitely one I would have picked to be Angston and Levi. Um, this guy can travel from one universe to the other, and his his goal is to uh, take all the other Angstroms and absorb all their information so that he can travel through the universes without finding one that's inhospitable to humans and all this. So it's, I feel like he's just going to be a great villain. And to me, he he's not a big bad. He's not a heavy hitter, but he's he's one. He's probably Mark's worst villain. For, but for the fact that he ain't coming just for him, he ain't just gonna beat him up. He he'll go he'll go for his heart, and he'll he'll try and take out his family. And yeah, let's just say that things don't all things aren't gonna work out for him, and he's gonna get even bitterer um, towards Mark, and it's not gonna go well. The, the sheer number of punches that occur in this trailer is just like, wow, you know, how many times do you have to throw a fist? Like, jeez, I just feel like everyone's getting their ass kicked in it. Um, 
one thing I like about it is that we're jumping into the multiverse kind of idea now. And we all know that that's been pretty big for all the others. To be fair, Invincibles wrote a long time ago. It went into the multiverse thing back then. So it's not exactly like it's just, you know, jumping in on it now, you know, trying to get its feet wet. It's already done it. It already works. I think they'll go a little bit more in detail than they did in the comic. Which, it, it looks pretty good. I like the war-torn world where the Invincible of that world has, has already taken over. Um, I, I, what I'm loving about it is though that I know what's coming after that. I, the, the Viltrumite stuff that is gonna come after that is, is gonna be brilliant. I'm not saying that I'm trying to get through season two to get to season three and Conquest, but Conquest is probably my favourite arc and it is definitely definitely high on my list of things to get to honestly another thing that you've got to like about the fact that it's on amazon prime is shows like this especially when they're trying to get people back into them they chuck a few episodes on at a time so gen v's just done it and gen v's brilliant if you haven't started watching that and they chuck three episodes on it they you know when it first came out they're chucking the first four episodes of this on amazon prime on the 3rd of november so and i know it's only leaving what four episodes to arrive in early 2024 and i feel like that is a bit of a why bother we might as well just put it all out together but i kind of feel like if we class this as part one season two part one season season two part two i think it should work out i am looking forward to it and as I said, it's only going to lead to... This is going to be good, but it's going to lead to even more stuff. So, back in 2019, Jonathan Hickman's revolutionary House of X series, it made mutants into the thriving nation that they they have been for years now. So, Krakoa, that was their place. They terraformed Mars. They discovered how to resurrect mutants. So it reshaped mutant kind for the whole of the Marvel Universe. Yet, they, you know, it's like the writers can't just let them be. The editors think, oh, you know what? Fuck them. Let's just, let's just mess with the mutants. So now what we have now is X-Men, the Krakoa, and the Krakoa era is, it's over. The X-Men are done with Krakoa, mainly because everything has gone to shit. With the events of the Hellfire Hellfire Gala still in, still happening now, it's it's all leading to something. A, a group called Orcus is has taken Krakoa and killed a lot of X Men. So it's all leading to a dark age for mutants known as the Fall of X. So Fall of X looks like it's going to be a pretty decent series, and it's going to lead to the Fall of X will lead to the Power of X. What I love about X-Men is that there's so many characters and I feel like the Krakoa Rage has literally brought them all to the forefront. It is not like, it hasn't excluded anyone. I feel like, if anything, they've had more mutants in the lineup of an X-Men comic than any other time. I really feel like the Krakoa Rage was something that was building them kind of a dynasty within the Marvel Universe. And yet, I also think it's brilliant that you can crush them and show, like, the, you know, don't forgive the pun for Phoenix, Phoenix Rising kind of thing. So, the idea is, you know, 
the X-Men have been decimated, they've been scattered across the globe, they're fighting back. They you know, they won't be taken out completely. Mutants are a pretty, you know, resilient lot. They're not going down without a fight. The fall of X expands what the X-Men the X-Men Hellfire Gala 2023 number one. X-Men Astonishing Iceman. You've got Children of the Vault. Um, Immortal X-Men, you've got Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Weapons of Vengeance, um, X-Men Red, the Alpha Flight, Dark X-Men, you've got X-Force, Jean Grey, you have Realm of X, you've got Invincible Iron Man, and he's going to be involved because he's marrying Emma Frost, you've got Wolverine, you've got Uncanny Spider-Man, so that's Nightcrawler these days, and... Fall of X just looks like it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant series. And it's going to lead up to the Power of X. So the Power of X, I'm assuming, is going to be a lot of them re- reclaiming their rights as mutants, as free people. You know, taking out the uh, Orcus altogether. But who knows? I think there's going to be a lot more deaths before we get any conclusion to it. So I will wait and see. So, Superman has been around since the 1930s. He's DC's longest-running superhero. And next year, he's getting a major overhaul. So, what's happening is they're doing the Superman superstars. So, the idea is that there's going to be quite a few artists and writers in. And it will have a rotating creative team telling new stories featuring Superman and some of his biggest villains. So, I think the issue that we've got with Superman is at the moment that it feels like we've almost done everything that we can with him. Um, in recent years, they've revealed his identity. They've made it so that him and Lois have got a son. Then they've made the son gay, from what I can remember. So they're, they're, they're trying to be as... yeah, They're trying to bring Superman into the modern era as much as possible. Um, the issue I've got is, I, I love Superman. I kind of feel like he does exactly what he says on the tin, but... Is he just a bit old-fashioned for the time? So this is obviously what they're trying to get at. They're trying to make him so that you know, like, he is a bit more relatable. I kind of feel like the you know, the the Boy Scout thing doesn't particularly wash with everyone, and you can see with the you know, the success of stuff like Invincible, The Boys, Gen V, you know, the Blood and Gore. I kind of feel like. Realistically, Superman ain't all for the blood and gore. He could, but he doesn't. And yeah, that said, the recent series Superman and Lois, I really enjoyed. I I thought that that got to the point. I thought you know, like it showed just how powerful he was, you know, and all that. But I kind of feel like they they do need to do something to get him back into the center of it because realistically, he is he is you know. The most famous superhero on our planet. He, yeah, realistically, if anyone's going to name a Superman a superhero, it's going to be probably one of three. It's going to be Superman, Batman, or Spider Man. And I'd probably say, first of all, I'd probably go Superman. Yeah, nine times out of ten. One thing I will say about the Superman title is: what are the odds that they absolutely pump Lobo to the max because they want Momoa in the spot and they want Lobo at the forefront of everyone's mind? So they're thinking, "Blummin, I'll Jason Momoa and him are like the spit of each other." I swear to God, I bet yeah, every issue that I pick up, Lobo is front and center somewhere along the way. So I, I think that, that realistically, these 
these new prints are gonna they're gonna have everyone in. So you got Superman, Lex Luthor, Supergirl, the rest of the Super Family. Um, I'm hoping they give Connor Kent a little bit more props because I think with the inclusion of um, John Kent into it, Connor Kent's been kind of put to the you know put on the back foot a little bit. And realistically, during like the the late nineties, early two thousand, he was probably one of my favorite characters in comics. His run on Teen Titans. Um, the Titans of Tomorrow stuff I thought was brilliant and realistically it showed what kind of how powerful of a Superman he actually would have ended up being. I think these days though that they're, they're too hell bent on trying to be as woke as possible and they're taking characters like him and trying to make him. The last one I read was they were trying to make him into a trans female, and I thought I, I don't I, I've got nothing against any of that, but I kind of feel like here's a character that has been around since what that Superman died in what was it ninety three. That's when he came about. He was a replacement for Superman. You know, he had cool powers, cool hairstyle, wore a leather jacket, was pretty decent, liked the ladies, and now we're saying that he's a trans female. I just, I don't really understand the the premise behind it. I get that, that, you know, he's had a bit of a messed up life and all this, and he's had a lot of heartbreak and all that, but realistically, they don't have to pick a character that we've we've known for years and just make them you know, make them trans, you know, we, we could have a brand new character, or do the backstory a little bit better, so that, you know, like, they, they've been struggling with it for years, don't just go, you know what I'm going to do, let's do that, I feel like they've they done that with quite a few characters as of late, like the John Kent stuff, him being gay wasn't a shock, because he hasn't been around for that long, Iceman on the other hand, from X-Men, I kind of feel like, what? When I heard that, I wasn't, I don't think I was reading X-Men at the time, and it, it, it was just a bit of a shock to me. He's like literally been with every woman, and maybe that's the problem, he's been with every woman in the Marvel Universe, now he wants all the men instead. Who knows? I just think that one was a bit of a shock. They did it with Tim Drake, made him bisexual. I kind of feel like, you know, fair enough, I suppose, but I kind of feel like he, he's generally speaking been a heterosexual character for years and years it just makes no sense i find i kind of feel like instead of doing that you could literally bring someone in with superman's powers superman's abilities and make them trans you don't have to take a character that you know is already you know in the mainstream and think you know what we'll just take them you know they're, they're mainstream but they're far enough back and they've they've lost a little bit of popularity instead of coming up with new stories for them i'll just make them trans it makes no sense i kind of feel like makes it i kind of feel like it's a bit of a kick in the teeth to the trans community as well because realistically you know they want to see someone who's been through the same stuff as them they don't want to see a character that you know like has just gone you know what after you know like 30 years i'm trans that makes no sense I, I just don't get that so i feel like they should stay away from stuff like that so dc have also got the revival of the elseworld imprints so elseworld is basically it's a it's all the what if scenarios it's multi multiversal travel it's you know different worlds gotham by gaslight things like that so what have we got there are just some, there's some brilliant ideas here because realistically you've got to put it into consideration that there are so many ideas of how things could turn out if certain characters weren't there, if 
things did this. I've, I've really, I've talked about it quite a few and quite a few of my podcasts recently. So, what we've we got, Gotham by Gaslight, the Kryptonian Age. You know, that to me sounds like you know what you've got. Guy, <laughs> you've got steampunk Batman fighting Kryptonians. Okay, so that could work. Batman the Barbarian. Okay, so I'm literally looking at a picture of um, a barbarian and it looks like he's killed a really big bat and he has skinned it and put it on his head. So, there you go. It's basically Conan Conan meets meets Batman. So, yeah, I think that would work. It it reimagines Batman as if he's a barbarian, caped crusader and wandering around by a barbarian as a barbarian in medieval version of the DCU. We also have um, Dark Knights of Steel All Winter. So what's this one about? The spin-off to Tom Taylor's medieval fantasy series, Dark Knights of Steel, focuses on Deathstroke. Inspired by Norse myths, All Winter sees Deathstroke wandering a frozen wasteland and reluctantly becoming a protector of the innocent rather than a remorseless mercenary. Okay, that could work. It's not really for me that one in particular. Do you know what I mean? But who knows? Green Lantern Dark. Okay, so uh, the series takes place in an alternate universe where evil has ravaged the sunless earth. A new Green Lantern has emerged as the only remaining hero. But she goes missing just as humanity needs her most. Well, that can't be good, can it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, we have Batman Nightfire. Batman seems to be getting a lot of yeah. So we've got Batman slash Catwoman artist Clay Mann returns to the franchise for a story set in a world where Batman harbors a secret so important that he would rather allow Gotham to burn than let the truth be known. DC hints that the series also deals with Batman traveling to the past to rewrite his present. So it doesn't really give you much of that, you know what I mean? Pretty decent artwork on it. Uh, we've got DC versus Vampires World War World War Five. Um, we have a, we have a nun with knives on the cover. We've got a a Robin of some sort, Harley Quinn. Someone I'm not too sure who it is. Could be anyone. Um, so th- this is a sequel to the original DC versus Vampires. It takes place at a time where humanity is beginning to restore sunlight to Vampire Ravage World. Unfortunately for these survivors, an undead Barbara Gordon emerges as the latest and greatest threat to humanity's survival. I knew that bitch would be the problem. I knew it. Anyway, <laughs> out of um, continuity stories have always been the pillar of DC publishing, allegedly. So I always think that the elsewhere ones, I've, I've said it before, I think what ifs are pretty big. I kind of feel like literally you can get away with anything these days if it's got another universe kind of story to it. So I think Spider-Man, Far From Home, No Way Home even, has proven that it can be done. (sighs) Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, I don't want to have to talk about it, but I kind of feel like if the CGI had been better and the story had been a bit better, that would have been a brilliant film. Just a shame that it wasn't, and it wasn't a good film. The Flash would have been a brilliant film. I, I feel like... They're doing them, but they're not doing them to a standard where they're, they're doing anything for me at the moment. I just think, you know, not for me. Um, most of them go for 12 issues, yeah, 6 to 12 issues. So the idea is there's going to be a lot of new comics out, all with um, Elseworld what-if kind of stories to them. So, it, you know, maybe next week I could talk about the, the idea of what other stories would we like to see. I think... 
any anything Kryptonian invasion would be pretty decent. I think you could pretty much do anything with that. Well, um, yeah, Batman killed by the Robins. That would be pretty decent. I think um, on the run from the Robins, they've had enough. They're fed up being mistreated, so they've all thought, nah, let's have him. Um, yeah, you could do another take on Amazon's attack where the Amazons come and they, they actually, they, you know, they take the men of the world, especially the superhuman ones, into uh, into custody and they take over. That'd be a pretty decent, you know, idea of the whole thing, I'm sure. One thing that I didn't mention earlier was, especially when I was talking about X-Men, was that I, I dislike when they resurrect a character without... <sighs> They, they when they bring a back character back and it's like oh well he hasn't even been dead that long we'll just bring him back they did it with Miss Marvel recently I kind of feel like ah, sometimes you just need to leave them dead I know the X Men had worked out a way round all this with their uh, making it so that mutants could be brought back to life on a whim using what five mutants Krakoa itself. Well, with Krakoa going, it's going to be a little bit harder, but Magneto is set to make his return next year. So he, he died tragically last year. Uh, what, in the Judgment Day event, um, he sacrificed his life to help save the planet Arico. Uh, now they're bringing him back. You know, and I get that he's probably being brought back at a time when he's actually needed and all this, but I kind of feel like it just isn't necessary at this point always gets me thinking about what what other characters have they brought back that they just didn't need to. I kind of feel like Superman being killed off, I just really don't think you, I, Superman killed off and then brought back straight away. It just didn't make too much sense to me. They did it with Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, he did stay dead, but I'm pretty sure that they end up bringing him back from what I can remember. Yeah, but his death was like pretty horrific, and it was probably one of the only. If he if he does come, he did come back. I'm sure he did because he's I'm sure he speaks to Miles at some point. But realistically, it's probably one of his only one of the only resurrections within you know Ultimate Ultimate Marvel, which I'm going to talk about in a bit because there's a few Ultimate things coming up. Um, you know, Professor X has come back. I just kind of feel like it, some of it's a bit thing. And, you know, they've kept characters like Uncle Ben dead. Yeah, he needed to stay dead. He needed, you know, they, they say it in a, you know, across the Spider-Verse that basically the idea is most of them wouldn't even be Spider-Man without it. So I think, realistically, that, you know, Magneto coming back in January 2024, I just don't think it's specifically needed. I kind of feel like, let him have a hero's death. Let him let him live with that. Let let his you know let everything he stood for stick carry on through the mutant you know through the X Men books and stuff. It doesn't need to be anything like that. So uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like you know literally you've got other magnetic characters. You know he's he's got his daughter. He's got a clone of himself out there. He could literally, one of them could put the helmet on and become the new Magneto with no, no problem. I kind of feel like uh, resurrection of a character, I kind of feel like it, it, it's a bit remedial when they've they've made the ultimate sacrifice. I kind of feel like it just doesn't need to happen. It's almost like they, they're thinking, oh, let's, let's kill him off. It will be fine. And then it happens and they go, 
ah oh, shit why what have we done why 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 have we why have we killed him off you know like we're getting we're getting shit off everyone here no it just doesn't need to happen and i kind of feel like realistically he, i feel like he should stay dead resurrection of magneto I, I will read it don't get me wrong but it just doesn't need to happen i feel like it is it's a misstep by marvel they're missing the point of a character death a character death you know by all means is supposed to you know it's supposed to hurt us it's supposed to get in our heads it's supposed to make us have you know a plethora of feelings towards it but i kind of feel like you can't kill him off and then go oh we'll just bring him back i kind of feel like it's been done too many times i think the x-men especially have probably got more reason to bring back than anyone else because they have the means to do it but realistically with all this going on with the fall of x it just doesn't make sense to the story to me i just kind of feel like yeah sometimes what's dead should stay dead you've made that choice let it be so one thing that you must know about me by now is that the ultimate universe yeah it's probably one of my favorite universes within comics and marvel have just announced that the first wave of the titles for the rebooted rebooted ultimate universe are coming out so this all kicks off in january 2024 it comes on the back of ultimate invasion limited series and it was uh, it's it's going to be reborn with ultimate universe number one so the idea is we've got new ultimate spider-man can't wait okay uh, we've got ultimate black panther and ultimate x-men so ultimate spider-man is probably one of the greatest in my eyes one of the greatest books around because it rewrote you know the spider-man story for me i kind of feel like they just you know all of all of them had great writing in ultimate spider-man ultimate x-men they were they were just brilliant i kind of feel like the culmination of where ultimate spider-man went you know we even got miles morales from ultimate spider-man miles morales wasn't born in the 616 universe he was born in the ultimate universe he took over after peter was killed um when i say killed i kind of feel like he did a lot of the killing you know he basically killed himself that's not the point um always make sure that when you're killing someone with something don't use something that can blow up yeah so realistically peter sacrificed himself for the universe before that we had ultimatum great title definitely worth a read and it will be on there comics to read before you die so yeah marvel have um teased uh, the peter uh, peter b parker situation so they're referencing the fact that um jay johnson voiced the character from sony and they basically i think they're getting onto the fact that this particular spider-man is going to be midlife rather than the familiar teen origins that we get so it's it's a different peter than we're used to from ultimate so ultimate ultimate peter was 15 when he started he died when he was just 16 from what i can remember i kind of feel like you know different way to go about it definitely i kind of feel like does it yeah it, it's not trying to be the ultimate universe that what came out what was it 24 years ago something like that I, that that's when ultimate spider-man was two it was early 2000 maybe even 99 i don't know um i kind of feel like we've got ultimate spider-man ultimate game black panther so i think they're trying to make black panther a little bit more relevant comic wise again and because i kind of feel like he's, he's disappeared a little bit to a certain extent um we've got ultimate x-men ultimate x-men 
it kind of yeah it was brought all these titles back in the day ultimate x-men the um ultimate spider-man the ultimate which was the yeah ultimate ver- ultimate universe's version of the avengers they came out in a the post 9-11 america and i kind of feel like they, they showed that it was it was a lot grittier than the normal universe so i kind of feel like they obviously weren't afraid to kill people off as well i kind of feel like I said before, with Magneto coming back, I kind of feel like the universes need to get their ideas straight about mortality. If they're going to kill someone off, kill them off. If if not, make it so they can't be killed off. I kind of feel like nothing really needs to be said other than that. I just I can't wait to read anything anything new with the Ultimate Universe because it is it is a brilliant universe and it deserves a lot more than it's got thus far. The Spider-Man Gang War teaser trailer has been out, and it does look decent. You know, it shows all the you know the, the supervillain gangs of New York all vying for their you know for territory, and it shows Spidey. He's rallied the heroes. He's got them all exactly where he wants them, and they have forty-eight hours to save the city. So the idea is that it's within these forty-eight hours. It's either going to be one of these gangs that runs the city or the heroes are going to have took it back and it does look good i kind of feel like it, it spans across a lot of titles as well so that there is a lot going on it's, it's a pretty big crossover when you look at it from that perspective so what have we got we've got amazing spider-man pretty self-explanatory you've got um so what's that amazing spider-man number 42 you've got 43 and 44 then you've got deadly hands of kung fu so a bit of shang chi um yeah probably a by the looks of things a very different art style going on in there Um that goes on for two issues you've got luke cage can't you can't have something like this with about oh, oh a bit of luke cage Um you have more luke cage you've got daredevil couple of issues of that you've got spider woman a couple of issues you've got miles morella spider-man you can't yeah you, you, know, you can't have you know like a, a spidey comic these days without um showcasing a little bit of miles um we have a bonus thing with jackpot so it's a mary jane one shot and i'm not that i'm not that bothered about that but i can live with it do you know what i mean um you've also got what Spider-Man Unlimited Gank War, so it's showcasing Spider-Boy. Um, not overly sure about Spider-Boy, if I'm honest, but what can we say? It looks to be a good series, and it looks to be Marvel trying to get back to their roots a little bit more. So, obviously, it's going to have supervillains in, but there's no huge, big, bad, there's, there's nothing, you know, nothing too out there that it's going to... It's not going to shatter the universe if they don't win. Yeah, they'll lose New York, fair enough, but realistically, there are ways and means for them to get it back. I kind of feel like it's nice for them to get back to the ground level heroes and let them do what they do. I kind of feel like what you've got Luke Cage, you've got Spider the Spideys, you've got Spider Woman, you've got Daredevil. Um, she Hulk is in there, but realistically, she's a lawyer in those parts. Realistically, she's trying to trying to stop the bloodshed they have to have some heavy hitters in there obviously the case pretty heavy so spidey to a certain extent but i kind of feel like without that without a couple of heavy hitters it's yeah 
you've you've got people on the other side that are heavy hitters, so they they need to uh, need to bolster the ranks a little bit. But it looks to be a good series, and whether or not they actually come out with you know what they want from the whole the whole thing, I'm not too sure. But um, I will wait and see. It looks like it looks to be a good series. It's got some decent cover art that goes with it, so um, I wait to see what the uh, the books are like. Speaking of wars, one war that I am looking forward to is the Sabretooth War that's coming to the Marvel Universe. So that's coming next year, and it looks to be pretty decent. Um, what can we say? I think Sabretooth's a great character. I kind of feel like he, he's one of the more unhinged characters within the Marvel Universe. And I think if you're going to think of him, try not to think of him as the... You know, the the one that you see in the movies, if you, you've got to go straight to the source material, and he's brilliant, right? Yeah, you know, he was created a long time ago, well over thirty years ago now, and realistically, the the stuff he's done, the raw carnage that he's unleashed, has just been has been brilliant, and it probably deserves more than what he's got. So hopefully, this can be something that can lead into that. So. This all comes out from Exiles number five. So the idea is there's a piece of text that comes into it that basically depicts um, Sabretooth as being one of the greatest mutant heroes only to fall from grace and becoming one of the worst mutant villains of all time. So the the text basically, it it says it chronicles Creed's future and it says that he's going to free thousands of mutants from captivity um, and leave them to be uh, liberated. And then the next text, piece of text reveals that um, it'll turn against everyone and then um, it'll lead to their slaughter. So I kind of feel like it, the, the piece of text um, goes on to compare Sabretooth's future actions with Professor Avery's time as onslaught. Uh, it also reveals that Sabretooth's actions will be on par with Orcus. So we all know what they've done recently. It's been, it has been horrific for the for the mutant community. Um uh, <laughs> basically it's it's whatever he's about to do is going to leave a deep scar on mutant kind and um, it's going to be called the Sabretooth War so the idea is so Sabretooth has been taken captive by Orcus and they've neutralized his healing factor by using an implant he um, he escapes from the he escapes from them because of um, a bunch of Sabretooth variants from across the multiverse they help him escape and then they um Presumably head off to find um, classic Wolverine and raise some hell. So by the looks of things, it's going to be, when we're calling it Sabretooth War, it's going to be a lot of variants of Sabretooth and they're all going to be raising hell. There's no redemption at this point for him. Uh, I just can't see him, yeah, like I can't see him winning, but I can see him causing chaos before and it's going to be a lot of deaths. I kind of feel like this is going to be, way, like I said, it's going to be worse than Orcus. So it does look to be a decent story arc and you know, it's one that I'm looking forward to reading. Anything with Sabretooth and Wolverine fighting is always decent to me, but it's not just gonna be him fighting the you know, the six one six version, it's gonna be him fighting plenty of versions. In one of the pictures there's a you know, there's a female version who looks like she's, you know, like from the Savage Lands, there's there's one that looks like Triple H. There's one that's Captain America. I kind of feel like, yeah, realistically, you've got a lot of Sabretooth, all with a grudge probably against the same man. So let's see 
what happens and where we go from there. So I'm looking forward to that one. This is KO of the Week, bout six. So for anyone who doesn't know, we have four groups, A, B, C, and D. In each group, I pick out four fighters out of a hat. The first two will fight each other, winner advances. Second two will fight each other, winner advances. The winner of both of them fight each other. And then the winner of that wins the group. So group A eventually will fight group B. Group C will fight group D. Then the winner of each of them advances to the finals of the week. Okay, so I'm going to start off. I'm going to do round one of group A, and my first fighter is going to be Gotenks. So Gotenks fusion of Goten and Trunks. My second fighter is going to be so Gotenks versus Greymon. Okay, right. Got a bit of an anime battle going on here, right? So Gotenks versus Greymon. All right, yeah. So Gotenks, fusion of Goten and Trunks, both half Saiyans, both able to become Super Saiyans. As Gotenks, they become a Super Saiyan three. They have a powerful attack. It's the ghost thing that it's Kamikaze something or other, I'm sure, and the ghosts blow up and stuff like that. Incredibly powerful. You've got Greymon, um, champion level Digimon. Um, Nova Blast, pretty powerful. Um, can Gotenks take on Greymon? So Greymon is a dinosaur. He's pretty durable. Um, has the power to digivolve, but that isn't what we're fighting here. With the the evolutions are as they are. Okay, yeah. So Gotenks is a super. It can is a super saiyan three. Greymon can't just digivolve on his own. So realistically, do I think that Gotenks would surround him with a bunch of goats and just blow them up? Uh, I do think that that was probably what would happen here. That said, would Greymon be able to just you know eat Gotenks? Before he got a chance to do that. I still don't think that that would be what would happen anyway. I think Gotenks would win this on just sheer Super Saiyan 3 power. If we were talking Metal Greymon or even War Greymon. There would be more of a battle here. But unfortunately Gotenks wins. Greymon you have been. And what happens now is that um, Gotenks advances. And... um, Greymon, you go back into the pile for next time. Okay. Our next battle is going to be between... Let's have a look. John Kent Superman versus... Who's this? Who's it going to be? Trower Barton from Gundam Wing with heavy arms. Okay, so John Kent, incredibly powerful. Um, half Kryptonian, half human, 
has is probably more potential than his dad ever did because of the hybrid DNA. And got Troy Barton. He controls the heavy arms Gundam. A lot of artillery. Unfortunately, Gundam alloy, Gundamian, Gundanian alloy. Can't say that word for some particular reason. Right, the second. Would that hold up against Kryptonian strength? I do not think so. I think this is a, a mismatch of epic proportions. I think John Kent is going to decimate the Heavy Arms. And that hurts me because the Heavy Arms is my favourite Gundam. And unfortunately, Trevor, you have been knocked out of the round. And KO! John Kent advances to fight Gotenks in the final four the round okay right so we have super saiyan 3 go tanks versus superman john kent okay so both incredibly powerful both probably top of their game both kids of the most powerful people in the universe so realistically go tanks can only fight for half hour and then he'll he'll unfuse he'll he'll power down basically John Kent, I reckon they're pre- they'd be pretty pretty evenly matched. But I think John Kent realistically has the solar advantage. He's solar powered. He would decimate Gotenks within the heart. He'd do it within 10 minutes, I reckon. I think Gotenks were getting some good licks. Maybe even draw some blood. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, John Kent advances and Gotenks. It has been a... Yeah, got ahead of myself. So, the idea is now, Gotenks, you go back into the pile, and John Kent advances to fight um, Group B. So, Group B, round one. I'm going to dig deep for this one. I've got one here, and the first fighter is going to be Batman. So, that's Bruce Wayne, that's that's base Batman, alright? This is, I'm going to grab this one, because it's just dropped out. Versus Hero Yui Wing Zero from Gundam. Okay, right. So Batman, you know, the master of you know prep time. It has enough prep time. He can beat anyone allegedly. Um, Hero Yui. He is, you know, as far as I know, he's not genetically enhanced, but he can take a hell of a lot of pain. He can also pilot the Wing Zero, which has a hybrid piloting system that gets inside people's heads. Do I think that Hero Yuri would be taken out by Batman? Real realistically, I think Hero Yuri would give Batman a good go just by himself, but with Wing Zero, no. I reckon you know, Buster Rifle, I think realistically that beam from that is taking him out. Gatling guns Batman ain't ain't going to do well in that, I'm not having it even prep time even explosives is he going to be able to get through Gundanium Gundanium alloy without knowing how it all works I just don't see that for some reason, so no, I'm I'm not giving Batman this, many people would but Hero Yuri, you advance Batman and Batman, you go back into the pile for next week he wrote, you advance to the next round, and we have round two of group B. So, I'm going to grab this one. I'm going to grab them two at a time. I have two. So, my first one is 
Nikki Sanders. So she fought in the in the last bout versus Emma Frost. Two powerhouses of women here. All right, right. What we've got to know about Nikki Sanders? She is super strong. She is got a bit of a screw loose. Not that not the most sane person in the world. Uh, Emma Frost, generally one of the strongest psychics in the Marvel universe. She also has the ability to turn her body, yeah, skin into diamonds. I actually think Emma Frost would put up a good fight, just as as is. Do you know what I mean? I feel like realistically, you know, she could get in inside her head. She could shut her down. She could make her see things and all that, which would be a good way to take her out. But realistically, I actually think Emma Frost would put up a good fight in diamond form. I don't think Nikki would beat it. That said, would she be able to? Uh, would she be able to break the diamonds? Yeah, I think Emma's best bet is to get inside her head and shut her off. So, I reckon Emma Frost would take that, and Nikki Sanders, you have been... KO! And Emma, you, Emma Frost, advances to fight Hero Yuri in the final battle, and um, Nikki, you go back into the pile for next week. Right, who have we got next? Right, so we've got Hero Yuri in Wing Zero versus Emma Frost. Right, so Hero Yuri is a badass. He does pilot the Wing Zero. You've got Emma Frost, you know, technically, technically a hero, technically a villain. D- depends on what day of the week it is. So realistically, who is winning in a fight against Hero Yuri and Emma Frost? Hero Yuri has the Wing Zero. Emma Frost isn't going to get too badly injured from any of that because of her diamond form could she get inside Hero's head I think Hero's especially while he's inside the wing zero is he's the the pilot system's already inside his head so could she get him hmm I think that <sighs> Hero Yui no, I'm giving Emma Frost's going to take this. I think psychics are quite hard to beat in this particular, you know, era of battle. I think Emma Frost is going to take this just on the fact that she can get inside his head and shut him down. So, Hero Yuri, you go back into the power for next week, and it is a KO. So, Emma Frost advances, and she will fight John Kent, Superman, in the final battle between group a and b so group c round one so i'm going to dig deep i have one i've got two in fact i am going to pick the first one which is storm from the x-men versus pikachu (laughs) okay so right so storm from the x-men can control the elements can control you know the weather you know, incredibly powerful. One of probably the most powerful mutants on the planet in the Marvel Universe. In fact, probably one of the most powerful, you know, characters in the Marvel Universe. You've also got Pikachu. Uh, read somewhere the other day that re- that Pikachu was always the strongest Pokemon within that particular universe. Apparently, base base Pokemon shouldn't be the level that he was at. So he can fire the lightning. He can do that. So it'd be a it'd be a pretty decent battle, lightning versus lightning. Um speed wise, Pikachu would win. He has what quick attack and stuff. He has 
Thunder Tail, from what I can remember. Not, not that I'm more of a Digimon fan. I'm not going to lie. Bit controversial, I know. But realistically, Storm versus Pikachu, who do I think is winning? I think Storm just edges this on the fact that she'd use the other elements to her advantage. I think Lightning, she wouldn't get anywhere with it. So, unfortunately, Pikachu, I'm giving this to Storm, and it is a... KO! So, Storm advances. Pikachu, you get put back into the pile for next time, and you may or may not advance to the finals at some other point. So, Storm wins the first round. Round two is going to be... I have one... And I have the second one. So my first fighter is going to be All Might, All Might in his prime from My Hero Academia versus Trinity from um, The Matrix. So I've said it before, anyone from The Matrix has the power that they'd have inside The Matrix. Right? So All Might in his prime. All Might has the power of all for one. No, one for all. One. One for one for all, yeah. All for one's the the bad guy. So he has a power of all for one. Um, he uses it in weird and wonderful ways. He's got he's got a muscle form, so he's super strong. He's fast, near invulnerable, can take a lot of damage, and his punches can change the weather. Okay, which might put him in a good stead to take on Storm in the next round. If he wins against Trinity, Trinity is you know the peak of human, you know, physicality. She can do all sorts of flips. She's great at martial arts. Do I think that Trinity would be All Might? Not a chance. I think Trinity would be beaten within seconds, and All Might would do it with that big grin on his face. So Trinity, you have been knocked out, and it is a KO. So, Trinity, you go back into the bag for next time, and All Might advances to fight Storm in the round, in the Group C final. So, Storm versus All Might. Storm, incredibly powerful mutant, able to control the weather. All Might, incredibly, probably the strongest being in that particular universe in his prime, and he is the keeper of All for One. And realistically has the power, if he so wished, to tap into the rest of them. He never did. So could Storm be All Might in a fight? I think it would be a close call. Do I think she'd try and freeze him? Yeah, do I think she'd try and use lightning on him? Do I think that would work? No, I think All Might would get the win here. I think he's too strong to be beaten. And I think that Storm would be knocked out of this. So, all my advances. Storm, you have been... KO! And Storm, you go back into the pile for next week. Whereas, all might, you advance to fight the winner of Group D. So, I'm going straight into Group D. Group D round one. I'm going to dig deep. I've got two in my hand already. I'm going to go with them. Who have we got? Endeavour. It's a bit of a... <laughs> Versus, it's a bit of a My Hero Academia thing. Versus, can't undo the paper. Here we go. We have got Stargirl. Okay. So Endeavor can control the can control fire. All right. Yeah. Incredibly powerful. The issue you've got with Endeavor is that his weakness is the fact that. He gets dehydrated, can't always use the fire, and eventually the fire will burn him. Um, Stargirl 
she has the staff, and um, what is it? The star staff. What the, what is, what's it called? Can't think what it's called. Hold on, it will jump into my head in a second. No, no, star staff. No, cosmic staff. That's it. Yeah, powerful weapon. Was it absorbs solar stellar energy or something like that, and gives it makes her become a great gymnast and she can fire off energy blasts. Is she beating Endeavor? I think that both can fly, both can do crazy stuff. I think Endeavor pits this for his speed. I think he he fires himself around like a rocket because of his uh, because of his firepower. No, I think that Endeavor would beat Stargirl in this match. So I'm going to give this to Endeavor. So Stargirl, you have been. And you go back into the pile for next time. Whereas Endeavour, you advance. Uh, round two is going to be between... Evil Green Ranger. So Tommy Oliver versus... This one. Catwoman. <laughs> okay. So... Evil Green Ranger versus Catwoman. Okay, I think this is pretty obvious where this is going to go. Evil Green Ranger, he has the Dragon Zord, he has the Dragon Dagger, he has the there was it, the Sword of Evil. Uh, he has the shield that protects him from harm on his on his chest. Catwoman, burglar, cat thief. You know, has a cat, has a whip. No, mismatch. Catwoman, unfortunately, there is no way you'd beat this unless you used your feminine charms on him, but realistically, he's evil at the moment, so he ain't taking you on that. So I am giving this to Tommy Oliver or any day of the week as the evil Green Ranger. So bear in mind, he took out all the Power Rangers back in the day single-handedly. So Catwoman, you have been... KO! And Tommy Oliver, the evil Green Ranger, advances to fight Endeavor. Right, so Endeavor versus the Green Ranger, the evil Green Ranger. So Endeavor, strong guy, big guy, fire powers. Could he get past Tommy's defenses? I think Tommy has got too much firepower behind him. That that he was firing all sorts of crazy stuff out of that. Um, what the evil, the dark sword or whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? And realistically, he has the dragon dagger. I reckon he'd end up stabbing Endeavor and killing him. And then there's a bit in one of the Boom Studios comic books where he has Jason's head in his hand. I think that would be Endeavor. I I literally think Endeavor would be ripped apart in this particular bout. So I'm giving this to the evil Green Ranger, Tommy Oliver. So unfortunately, Endeavor, you have been... KO! And... Tommy Oliver advances. So we have a pretty decent final coming our way here, okay? Yeah. So we've got John Kent versus Emma Frost. So John Kent, super strong, invulnerable, heat vision, various other powers. What can he do now? He can he can fire electricity from his body, which is something that apparently if you read up on it, all Kryptonians can do. They just can't they just don't. So is it something to do with the human inside him that I don't know. Either way. Incredibly powerful. Emma Frost. Would she be able to get inside John's head? I think the electricity power inside him might make that a little bit difficult. And even if she could get inside his head, 
heat, fire, heat vision, he fire electricity while she was trying to do him in. And realistically, I think she'd find it pretty difficult getting inside a Kryptonian head and controlling it. If he fired off something, if he threw something at her, she'd have to go diamond form, and that's where he'd make his move. And he just, he'd probably go super speed, load of punches. Nah, she's not winning that. So, unfortunately, Emma Frost, you've been knocked out, and John Kent, you advance. So, Emma Frost. KO! And, John, you are in the finals between the winner of whoever wins between Group C and D. So in Group C and D, we have All Might versus the evil Green Ranger, Tommy Oliver. So this is All Might in his prime. This is, you know, the the guy who was, you know, like the savior of the world, basically. You know, the protector of everything. So All Might, incredibly powerful, super strong, fast, you know, always with a smile, muscle form, Will he beat the evil Green Ranger? So the thing that we've got to remember about All Might is that in his prime, he could throw hundreds of thousands of punches within a few seconds. So, and they'd be super strong at the same time. Would Tommy Oliver's shield be able to hold up against that? I'm thinking not. I'm thinking realistically, All Might, if he could keep the speed up, any energy blast that Tommy throws at him is missing. And realistically, I think with... Because he fights that Nomu at the end of Season 1 of uh, My Hero Academia. And that's him, like, at a fraction of his power. And he throw, yeah, he beats the hell out of that. Yeah, I'm I'm giving this one to all my... I, I think that he'd, he'd crack Tommy's shield. I think with that speed, that strength, I think he'd take it out. He'd... Rip the morpher from his belt, demorph him, take him out completely. So I am giving this to All Might. So Tommy, you have been KO, and you go back into the pile for next time. Hopefully, you'll come up against someone that you know isn't as powerful as All Might. So Tommy is gone. We have All Might, John Kent Superman versus All Might in his prime. So this is a pretty powerful final battle. John Kent. Kryptonian or half Kryptonian, half human. Uh, all the powers of his dad. He has electricity powers that he can fire out. All Might, uh, the keeper of um, All for One, um, and just basically all powerful in that particular universe. Who do I? Th- I think this would be a pretty decent fight. I think the the, the issue we've got is that John Kent is near invulnerable never invulnerable I'm not saying that All Might couldn't you know do some damage to him but realistically that's where the difference is going to be it's not the fact that John Kent isn't as you know All Might isn't as powerful as him it's that John Kent is being powered by you know he's solar powered as long as the, he's got a clear line to the sun as long as the sun doesn't get destroyed John Kent is winning this battle because realistically All Might, even with the power of All for One, is is not going to be able to keep up with this Kryptonian hybrid who seems to be a pretty decent powerhouse in the universe. So I'm giving this to John Kent. So the winner of today's today's bout six is John Kent. All Might, you have been... KO! And you go back into the um, obscurity of the, the bag for hopefully next time so John Kent wins 
and advances to their grand final, which will help happen after bout eight. And that has been KO of the week, bout six. This week's comic to read before you die should be Umbrella Academy Dallas. So, Umbrella Academy Dallas sees in the assortment of superpowered adopted siblings dealing with various issues after the near apocalypse created by one of their own, Vanya, the ostracised seventh sibling. It also is a time of mourning for them as they've lost their beloved mentor, Pogo, the chimpanzee. Um, so, another catastrophe catastrophic event is on the horizon to send the team back into action uh, unfortunately each member of the team is distracted by some very real problems in their own lives so it basically it's a jumble of events um, basically send most of the siblings back in time to 1963 right in the middle of the vietnam war and leading to the j up to the jfk assassination the story's main protagonist for me was always number five. So number five, he's a time traveller. He's stuck in his childlike body. Bit of a badass, bit of a dick. Um, his story was kind of glazed over in the first volume, but in volume two, it really focuses in on what he's been doing for 50 plus years by himself. So five was part of the Temps Alternalis. Alternalist, Temps Alternalist. They renamed it just to the Commission in the TV series. That was probably why, because no one could actually pronounce that name. Uh, so the Temps Alternalist um, is a large organization dealing with and overseeing the time travel and associated process. Um, they capture number five in the future. Um, they experiment on him and they combine his DNA with various serial killers. So this makes number five the most deadly assassin with a 100% success rate. So I can't stress how good this book, these books especially, especially this one in particular is. Um, volume two is just brilliant. So the artwork by Gabriel Barr is brilliant. Gabriel Barr, he's been writing for 15 years. He's been published in France, Italy, Spain, the US, Brazil. Um, he started self-publishing back in 1993 with his brother, and by 1990, so he did this in Brazil, I think, and then by 1997, his uh, his book, uh, his miniseries Sunflower in the Moon, it was released by Brazilian publishers and made into a graphic novel in 2000. Uh, they published in the United States in 1999. They had a miniseries called Roland Days of Wrath. Uh, he's done a few other things he's been printed by Image Comics Dark Horse you know, he, he's kind of an indie kind of artist and what I love about his artwork is that it, it it's just unique, it's edgy it's not perfect, which makes it perfect to me I, I myself I draw from time to time and one thing I hate is straight lines, straight lines do my head in, but I kind of feel like he's got 
he's got the bare minimum straight lines in here kind of thing. It's almost like it's it's almost free handed. So it, it almost gives off a. I drew this and that's it. No edits kind of vibe. And I, I love that. I think that's just, I think that makes the book. I think that Gerard Way's writing is brilliant, but Gabriel Barr's actual artwork is it's just fantastic in it. And you know what? I, I'm also going to give props to the, uh, the colors by Dave Stewart. Uh, so Dave Stewart's been around for a while, you know, or in he's, uh, he's worked on Dark Horse comics, DC comics, Marvel comics, um, Tim Sales art and heroes and stuff like that. And what I love about it is that that the colours in it are just that they're, they're so grim and grungy. The the brightest colour in it is normally the red with you know five is spilt blood. So I think uh, I do. I've got to give him props for that because look at skimming through the book now is just brilliant. And there's just like you know Gabriel Bar's artwork plus you know the story. Plus the, the the colors on it, it's it's just a brilliant book. It's just it's probably one of those ones that people don't really think about, especially when you get the series as well. I kind of feel like anyone who watches the series and thinks it's good, great. But if you read the book, you're gonna think the book is like ten times better. There's just yeah, you know, there's things in the book that just they don't compute over onto the television and it, onto the screen, and it just. If you ever get to that point where you think, oh, I'd like to see a different perspective, definitely pick up the comic book that a lot of these series come from. Um, I will be talking about The Walking Dead at some point because I uh, I was a fan of the book before I was a fan of the series. And there's so many different things going on in that. So that that's that's what I'm relating it to anyway. So um, anyway, back to the Umbrella Academy. So Gerard Wegg, uh, his stories it's just out there in the best way um he was a he's a singer songwriter i was i'm not really a, a fan of my chemical romance but what can i say i couldn't even tell you one of their songs but he is a good writer and it's definitely worth picking it up things i could say about him he um, he co-wrote a um comic mini series called the true lives of the fabulous killjoys um and he won an Eisner Award for Umbrella Academy, which is well-deserved. Uh, obviously, it's been adapted into a Netflix series. Um, there is a volume three out there as well. Um, another thing that I should say about him is that he co-created Penny Parker. So it's an alternate version of Spider-Man. And it's one that's turned up in the latest you know, Spider-Verse films. So um, this volume of Umbrella Academy culminates in the team scrambling to fix the timeline. It's got two versions of five in it, and one trying to prevent the death of the president, the other trying to make sure it happens. We have probably one of the best murders in comic history, and it's it's a it's a course correction murder, but it's just brilliant. So it's made it, anyone who has read the book or know as watched the series. There's a character in it called the Rumor, and she can basically says Rumor has it, da da da, da and she can make it happen. So. It's basically hair posing as Jackie Kennedy, and it wasn't shown in the in the series kind of thing, and probably for good reason. Um, and it's it's just a great, great course correction murder. <laughs> I know that I'm I'm getting quite excited about a murder there, but it, you'd you'd have to read the book to understand it. So the TV series did not do it justice. So do yourself a favor and get it read. It should definitely be one of the comics you should read before you die.
be sure to give me a like or a follow on whatever you listen to your podcasts on. If you've got a problem with anything that I've done, said, if you want me to do something in particular on the podcast, give me a message and I'll try and get it done for you. Thanks. I'm Matt and this has been the Glasses by Day Geek by Night podcast. Thanks for listening.